Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm very pleased to have Zara Astra as my guest today. Zara is a writer, producer, and television executive. She is also a professor at Arizona State University, where she developed the first course in the world on understanding neurodivergent women. After discovering as an adult that she was on the autism spectrum and had ADHD, she set out on a mission to help other women better understand themselves and their potential neurodivergences while aiming to educate and equip the neurotypical world with a greater understanding of how to interact with those who think differently, operate differently, and see the world through a different lens. Her work has been featured in Scientific American Magazine, Global Magazine, and across the media platforms worldwide. She is currently producing and hosting a documentary on the autism spectrum with Stone Village Television. Welcome, Zara, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me today to discuss your work. Thank you so much for having me. So to begin with, tell me, why are women often misdiagnosed, and what are those misdiagnoses generally? Mm. Well, I think if we look back throughout the history of mental health and medical care, we often see that the test subjects are males specifically usually white males. So the the data that we're gathering on these different medical conditions or neurological variations are based on how they present themselves in males. So women are just left out of the equation from the, the get-go. So when we do start to show some kind of symptomology of like, say, autism or some other kind of neurodivergence, we are often told that we have some kind of we're told that we have some kind of mood-based disorder, right? We're bipolar, we're hysterical, we're manic, we're borderline. We have PMDD, PMS, everything other than what we actually have going on. So then when it comes to diagnosing, why are young girls so often overlooked in comparison to boys? Can you go into a little more detail beyond what you've just told me? Well, part of the problem here lies in that girls are conditioned from a young age to mask, to not be too too loud or too um, too offensive or too just too much, right? We're taught to just be quiet and to mind our manners. And especially, you know, I'm from Texas, I'm from the South, and you have a firm handshake and you make eye contact and you be you be a polite, good little, quiet girl. Don't be seen, right? So we're masking from such a young age that we are not even recognizing as children that we're being conditioned to hide our, um, to hide our kind of quirks, to hide our, our stimming and things like that. And so we're overlooked in that way. And I think also oftentimes, like, for instance, look at ADHD. If we look at uh, how it presents itself in a boy, oftentimes you have the hyperactive kid who's all over the place, bouncing all over the walls. But for a young girl, she is not necessarily a disturbance to her class or her teacher because the H, the hyperactivity in her ADHD is internalized. It's in her brain. It's inside of her. So she can have this entire world of chaos going on inside of her while she's sitting quietly in a classroom. But because she's not a disturbance, she's overlooked. And and the teacher and the parents and the doctors, they're not going to do anything to help her because they, they don't even recognize there's a problem half the time. 
So is the current autism diagnosis criteria as outlined in the DSM, which stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, is that inclusive of all types of autistic people? And frankly, I'm not really a fan of including that diagnostic, <laughs> that diagnosis, I should say, in that manual at all. But uh, can you go into a little bit of detail about that? The diagnostic criteria that's set forth in the DSM as of right now is absolutely not inclusive of everybody. Because again, it's based on this these preconceived notions of what autism is, and it doesn't include the female autism phenotype, which I'm hoping that more and more doctors and scientists are starting to research and, and, and unveil. Yeah. And you know what, what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense about the difference between the way the males and females present the differences between their, how this whole thing, um, comes together in their brain and, and how, how it, they respond to it and all of that, um, makes really a lot of sense. And I'm so glad that you're bringing all of this out to the forefront. We need more people like you to make people aware of these differences and how to support and how to respond to our kids who are going through this, this really, um, like you said, a very, a very chaotic experience, mm -hmm. um, and don't have the support that they need in order to interact and in order to function at their, at the highest level that they possibly can. Um, so can you also, I've heard a lot about the correlation between autism and gender nonconformity. Can you discuss that, please? There seems to be a huge prevalence of gender nonconformity and being on the autism spectrum. Um, one research study I read showed that transgender people are three to four times more likely to be autistic. And why is it then that, why are they being overlooked? Why is there not more research on this? And from those who I have spoken to, they said, well, when they came out as transgender, especially when they're, they're younger, all of the focus and attention goes on that, right? So because of that, there, the neurological variations and things that might be going on, um, those are overlooked, or they're told, well, okay, it's just because you're going through this transgender transition. So because of that, you know, the, you know, whatever these mental quirks and these things and these habits that you're doing, it's, it's probably just trauma, right? Because we do see a lot of um, similarities between trauma and autism traits in females and, and in, you know, transgender and, and non-binary people. So um, just to go a little bit further on what I was saying uh, just a little bit ago, most professionals will say that early diagnosis and intervention is very important, just generally speaking. So why is it then particularly important in females? The importance of an early diagnosis of autism in girls is why I am doing what I'm doing because autistic girls are, I think the, this latest statistic is autistic girls are 16 times more likely to be sexually abused. Wow. If you're undiagnosed, if you're this girl, if you, you, you might not understand um, 
social cues. You might not understand an inappropriate situation and you might not have the voice to be able to muster up and say this inappropriate thing happened to me. So because of this huge numbers of autistic girls being sexually abused, being taken advantage of, and even into adulthood, because of that, that is why I think it's so important that they're diagnosed early on. And then you have the whole factor of depression and anxiety that often comes along with being an autistic female because we're so sensitive. We feel so much from people, our environments, noise, lights, everything. Um, and when we're undiagnosed, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We don't understand ourselves. Why do I feel like an alien? Why do I feel so different? Why am I so strange? You know, why can't I be interested in the things that the other girls are interested in? Um, why can't I interact at parties like everybody else does? And so it puts an extreme amount of pressure on us. And then we become depressed or perhaps we get overstimulated because we're at school, we're at work, we're in these social environments, and we don't understand that we're being overstimulated. And we don't understand that we're being pushed into an autism meltdown or a burnout. And then here comes the depression. And here comes the anxiety because we're depressed and we're not able to function at the level that we normally are. And it is confusing if you don't understand your brain and why this is happening. So we have to get early diagnosis because I think that if I was told as a child, here is your brain and here's how you are different, then I would have been able to operate a little more successfully without having depression, anxiety, and um, the amount of pressure that I put on myself as a young girl just to, to achieve, to prove to the world that I could do these things. So what are some of the red flags, the signs, the signals that perhaps parents, educators, um, people in general can can look for in these young females to give them an indication that there might be something more going on? Well, I was a teacher for several years and um, I was able to observe a lot of these young girls who I now see that I believe are on the spectrum. And there's a theory that I've, I've come up with a few theories. Um, one of them is I call the horse girl theory which you have young girls who are drawn to animals, to like horses or cats. Maybe they're dressing up in cat ears. They're dressed like a cat every day. They're trying to be a cat. They want to be a cat. Or maybe it's horses and that's their obsession, right? And what we see oftentimes is that these autistic girls are gravitating towards animals because they're easier to understand. They have less expectations, less social pressures on them. It's You know exactly what you're going to get from a cat or a horse or those kind of interactions. And it's a lot easier to understand than understanding other girls their age. So that might seem silly, but, but something like that is a good indication that you know maybe, maybe my child might have a little bit of a different um, brain, right? Other things that we might see are, you know, the avoiding eye contact. Again, we have a lot of girls that are masking from a young age. So we're, we've gotten really good at the eye contact and the, you know, trying to be, to be present. But there's also this air of being in our own world because we so heavily live inside of our heads. And because of that, sometimes we can be disassociated or detached from the physical world around us. Um, so maybe it's the girl that you think is a space cadet. I was told I was a space cadet growing up in my own world. 
maybe we see that she's just kind of disconnected from the environment that she should be engaged in at the time. Um, oftentimes, and again, the spectrum is huge. It's so wide and we have different varying degrees of needs and we have, I don't like the term, but we have higher functioning and then we have more profoundly autistic. And what we're seeing with a lot of the more like higher functioning autistic girls, very precocious, um, early talkers, early readers, very, very smart. And they get interested in a certain subject and they learn everything that there is to know about that subject. Um, so oftentimes you have just these brilliant little girls who are struggling socially and who struggle to make friends. Maybe we're a little bossy and controlling in the friend, um, in the friend situation or in home settings because there's so much um, that we can't control when we are out loose in the world, right? I can't control being overstimulated by these people and these sounds and these lights and all of these things, but I can control the way that I play with my friends at home. And I have this very specific idea of the right way to do things, the right way to play. So these little girls might be controlling in that regard because, well, you're doing it wrong, right? Because in our brains, everything is so specific and exact, and there's a right way to do things and a wrong way. That makes a lot of sense. So can you share perhaps, or if you want to, uh, a personal story, or is there something that we haven't touched on at this point that you think is really important for people to know? For me, the number one most important thing is always about the safety of the girls and the safety of these young women. We have huge suicide rates in young autistic girls, and I am on a mission to help prevent that, to prevent any girl from feeling so out of sorts in herself and in this society and to feel like she doesn't fit in and she doesn't belong. And so I want other autistic girls and women to recognize that there is an entire tribe of us out here. You can find us on social media. You can find us, you know, at your school. We are everywhere. We are everywhere and we are here for you. And once you find your tribe and you connect to the other girls and the other women like you, I think that is life-changing. And I think that that is expanding um, and enhancing the lives of all of us autistic women, making us not feel so isolated, and then bringing our power together. Because there's so much that's scary about recognizing that you're autistic, because there's so much stigma to it. But there's also so much beauty and infinite possibilities, because we have a differently wired brain. And imagine if my differently wired brain and those neurons are connecting with a whole tribe of differently wired brains, women. Imagine what we could do together in this world. So I would say go out and find your tribe, find your people, make those connections because you're not alone and you don't have to be. So talking about connecting, how can people reach you if they have questions or if they want to know more? You can reach me on my website, ZaraAstra.com, Z-H-A-R-A-A-S-T-R-A. Um, and on there, I have links to all of my work that I've done, and I have links to my LinkedIn and Instagram and social media and emails. So you can connect to me on there. Um, I'm also offering services where I'm doing consultations for women 
I get messages from all over the world, women that are, are looking for help guidance. What do I do now? How do I get diagnosed? Where do I go from here? So I'm offering consultations on there. And I'm also doing workshops for businesses across the globe where I'll do virtual or in-person workshops where I'm teaching about neurodiversity in the workplace, how to create accommodations, and to have a more inclusive workspace for all of your autistic and neurodivergent um, co-workers. Well, thank you so much, Zara, for your time and for sharing some really great information with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always access us and other great resources on our website, autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.